welcome back. Thanks. Welcome. What's up? Nothing. How's it going? It's going. What's up with you? Buffoo. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how this is going to go today. <laughs> it's going to re. It's going to be a repeat of that one episode. It was a total shit show. Uh huh. Yep. Yeah. It's going good. Good. What'd you do this week? Um, nothing. Okay. <laughs> I don't think I did, did. Do you know something I don't know? I don't, I don't know anything. Oh, wait. No, I conspired with um Amy. Oh, yeah, you little hoes. Hmm. I cried. I did. And then I cried again when I got home. <gasps> you did. Well, because I put on my jammies and my slippers. <laughs> I put the blanket on my bed. And I was like, I have the best friends ever. So... I, so, just so it doesn't seem like you're listening to two people talk about an inside joke and then you're just like feeling left out. Yeah, outsider. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one of Chelsea's friends, Amy, and then there's me. And then we were like, well, why aren't we friends? So I got a hold of her. I was like, hey, let's do something for Chelsea. And then we got together. We went to Walmart. We got her like a big old basket of love. I know. I it was I was so emotional. And then when you found out we were together, you were like, what the fuck? <laughs> I was so offended that you Why two, are you guys together? <laughs> I was so offended that you guys were friends without me. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck do you mean, Emily's at your house? <laughs> she was like, should I tell her? I was like, yeah. <laughs> She's like, I'm here with one of your friends. And I'm looking at her. I'm like, I don't have friends. Like, <laughs> I'm on the phone with you. Who's with you? She's like, Emily. And you're like, what? Mind blown. I was just like, how do you two even? I should have known you're a sneaky little Houdini. I know it. But Anyways. thank you. No, it was, it so was nice. We did that. Um, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> Santa's here. Oh, uh, like, we, have, we have a, we have a special guest today. It's Santa. <laughs> Santa as Ace is like, <laughs> Yeah, there's we have dog we have doggies in the room today. So if you hear occasional jingling or tail wagging or growling or licking or, or Emily talking like an infant, <laughs> oh <my. laughs> there's so much happening right now. Um, anyways, let's just let's get into let's it. Let's do it. <laughs> we actually like we have some really good questions today. Yeah. So um, let me do mine first since I have to pull out my phone for him. Oh my God, I have like questions everywhere because I couldn't keep everything in one location for some reason so if i'm like because <gasps> i can't find anything <laughs> so my sister-in-law in-law what do i call her an in-law i don't know that's what i've always been called her sis sister-in-law in-law do you have to like add all the in-laws <laughs> she's an in-law of an in-law of one of my other in-laws <laughs> twice removed mm -hmm, mm -hmm. no so my sister-in-law asked what is one thing you want to bring into 21? Oh. <laughs> I'm older than 21. <laughs> what, are, what, are, what are some things you want to bring into 2021 in regards to relationships, work, and for your personality? And then she knows us so well that we would need clarification. <laughs> so then she says, if it helps for me to clarify. Yes, it does. For me, relationships to not be so rigid. Work, not geo certification. She's a science teacher. Oh, um, and personal life to love, have more love for myself. Oh, so I feel personally attacked by this question right now. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll go. I'll go. Okay. Um, did you write an answer down? No. Oh, so I have to be like, you fucking overachiever. <laughs> no way. Okay. <coughs> Jesus. <laughs> so do you want to like... Do you need a minute? So for relationships, I don't know. 
I think to be more open with them. I mean, like, I'm pretty open with my relationships. But I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. Um, for work, um, to get that imposter syndrome to bounce out of my fucking body. Bye. Um, and personally, I think I'm just stealing all of Lindsay's answers. I want more self-love, too. Okay. So. That was cheating. Okay. Relationships. Or do you want to save that one for last? Just <laughs> personal what do i want for my personal life Mm -hmm. in 2021 what do i want to bring into 2021 well growth yeah i just i want to do a lot of growth this year spiritually emotionally um i kind of want to run 10 miles that's been a big goal of mine for a really long time and now that i'm at like i'm probably in the best running shape i've ever been in Mm mm-hmm so just growth in all areas of my life. Work-wise, I want to fucking graduate and get my therapy license. I got to do that. Um, but I also am striving to possibly get certified in treating eating disorders because you have to have like a special certification for that. So that's on my agenda. And relationships. There's a dog fight going on. <laughs> fucking stay continued for my relationships. <laughs> that. <laughs> I want dog fights. That's what I want. Yeah. No, I think in terms of my relationships, just honesty. Really. And we'll leave it at that for today. (laughs) What other questions do we have? That was a good question, Lens. Well, so Aiden and Avery asked us some questions. Don't read them. Okay. Don't read them. Aiden's first question. How far is your farthest travel for your client? My dogs are going to break down the doors. Um, wait, so like how far do I travel to, yeah, like to see clients? Yeah. Oh. Um, an not, hour. Not. Oh, really? Well, I always had Gordon and Alliance. Oh. So regardless, I like the furthest I've traveled for clients is an hour. Yeah, I don't leave town. So like two minutes. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Lucky bitch. Um, I was like, that was a good one. And then Avery, are you ready for this? My fucking four-year-old. What do you experience? Period. Yeah. I was like, that is a phenomenal question, first of all. And then she like really got to talking and she kept rambling for like five minutes and made sure that she included everyone knows I'm so smart. (laughs) It's like (laughs) you are. Yeah. And so what do you experience? I experience. Ooh. Spooty. Super spooty. I want to say I experience life, but I feel like right now I'm in a point and I, I am giving coronavirus um, <laughs> don't the credit for this. Um, I feel like recently I've been just living my life rather than actually living my just life. like surviving almost? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm experiencing. Shit, I feel that in my soul. You said that out loud and my gut was like, ugh. <laughs> Oh God, what do you experience? I took this a little more like existentially. Like, what do I experience? I experience all sorts of weird shit. You know, like, can we not chew the bone? He just like yanked it away from me so violently. Um, But I see now I'm just stuck. I'm like, yeah, I just kind of survive. But I think I experience emotions. What do you think she experiences? I have no idea. I don't even want to try to like venture a guess. 
in her head, I'm sure she's always like, oosh, 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 oosh. <laughs> she's just like constantly partying. Lick, lick. <laughs> yeah, constantly partying. Um, yeah, good ones. Yep. So Aiden's other question was, what was your favorite mental health thing you've done so far? Right? Aren't my kids smart? Yeah. Not to toot my own horn, but. My favorite mental health thing that I've done so far. Um, I think um, my senior year, my undergrad, when we had our conference over hate, that was oh. my favorite thing that we've done. That I've done. I've done a lot of shit. Um, I don't know that I have a favorite. I really enjoyed working with criminal youth in an inpatient setting. Mm-hmm. Like, I really fucking enjoyed that. Um, Cause they knew like they were, they were stuck there. They couldn't fucking go anywhere. So mm-hmm. they could either talk to me and, you know, be cordial or they could be dicks and I could just keep writing them little write-ups. Mm-hmm. But I, I really enjoyed it. Cause it was just one of those settings where like, they had to be there. They had to be around each other. So it was kind of like, what do you do when you have nothing else to do but talk to the people in the same building? Right. Yeah, um, like that. Okay. So my niece asked, who is the hardest person to help with dark thoughts? Ooh, who is the hardest person to help with dark thoughts? Yeah. And I, I really think, I think it's the people who don't want help yet or who don't realize they have a problem. Mm-hmm. Those are probably the hardest people to help with that stuff because you can't help somebody who doesn't want to make changes. You can't help somebody who's not ready to receive the help. So that would be my answer to that. Yeah. I think that's a good answer. I think that someone who hasn't even recognized in themselves that there's something going on. Right. I think that's a good one. Um, And then my mom. Why can't therapists say, what the fuck's wrong with you, stupid? They do. Instead of... (laughs) Instead of how's that working for you? <laughs> yeah, how's that? I feel like how's that working for you is like a little worse. It's I'm like, sorry, that's therapist talk for you're fucking stupid. Exactly. Like, yeah. And how's that going for you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will tell you, I am the therapist that will straight up be like, the fuck is wrong with you? Like, no. Yeah. So some therapists will. <laughs> you just got to find the right one. You just got to talk to me. Um, um, we have one from one of our coworkers that says, how do you ease your anxiety when the entire world seems messed up? What a timely question. Girl. Girl. It's hard. I, I'm not going to lie. The past. <laughs> Someone squealed. The past year has been probably the worst for my mental health. Yeah. 100%. Just because of everything that's going on in the world. And it's just like. It's all the unknowns. <laughs> Does someone need help? <laughs> I don't know. The door's up. We'll see if she comes flying down the stairs here in a second. No, I I agree. I mean, I think just in the last year, there's so much going on in our world, not just politically, but with everything pandemically. And yeah. there's just so much chaos around us all of the time right now. And it is hard. I think everyone's kind of hit that plummet with their mental health. And I've, I've been telling everyone... Um, we're going to be seeing the after effects of coronavirus for years to come in terms of mental health. Yeah. So we're just, we're going to be seeing people's mental health suck for the next day. Yeah, did you like that? Yeah, I did. Did you like that? <laughs> so how do you manage it? I don't know. I don't even know really how to answer that. Self-care. Take care of yourself. Recognize your limits. Mm-hmm. It's like when you're starting to get overwhelmed and you're like, oh my God, I can't handle one more thing, take a step back from everything you're doing and kind of prioritize what has to be done right now. Get off Facebook, shut off the Get fucking the news. Get the fuck off of social media. Yeah. 
<laughs> wag, wag, wag. <laughs> Go love on an animal. That's a really good one. Um, get down. Don't get in anybody's lap. Okay. So the next question is from my sister. What are some of the correlations between different types of mental disorders, i.e. ADHD, autism spectrum disorders? <clears throat> oh, my God. The correlations, like how they're related, the similarity in symptoms. What is she asking? Don't know. Oh. Because then it just says dot, 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 and then it goes to a different question. <laughs> so- <laughs> oh. I mean, I, I think in a, in a broad sense, there's a broad answer. There's so many correlations because a lot of the symptomology is similar. It's all just those correlations just depend on what symptoms you're presenting at any given time. Yeah. Next question. Why is there so much? Jesus. Could you not? <laughs> Holy <laughs> balls. Get out. Oh, my God. This is a shit show. Uh, why is there so much misdiagnosis, which we'll talk about today? Um, oh, fuck off. And then she asked, and how are you doing mentally? Honestly. <laughs> She's calling us out. How am I doing mentally? Not fucking well. The honestly part is like. I let, right, honestly. You can be like, good. Honestly. Honestly. <laughs> Not so fucking good. <laughs> I think I'm, I've been doing well mentally. Sure you have. Mm-hmm. Well, you just fucking wait. I mean, usually this just means it's the calm before the storm. Right. That's true. Um, and then my mom asked one more. Oh, I guess I should answer that. I'm actually decent yeah. mental health wise. I've got a lot of stuff going on, but I think I'm starting to sort through it and process all of it. And so I'm actually doing okay. Good. Um, and then my mom said, why do so many of our adolescent boys and girls between the ages of, let's say, 12 and 16 end up in the juvenile delinquent system due to improper diagnosis or no diagnosis when what they may have needed all along was mental health treatment? So essentially, why are we sending youth with behavioral <clears throat> issues straight into juvenile justice instead of addressing mental health issues first? Good fucking question. I don't fucking know. <laughs> I am like the biggest advocate for rehabilitation over incarceration. Every, yes, a hundred percent. Fuck that. Yep. It really. They're, you're not helping the kid at all. Mm-hmm. He's gonna get, or he or she, they are gonna get out of there, and what's gonna be different? Right. They they need rehabilitated, not in trouble. Well, and here's what I'll tell you, just from personal experience, having worked with a young person like this in a very very shitty situation where it was like we can't get this person into treatment because nowhere will pay for it Mm -hmm. so they have to be deemed medically a medical necessity to be in any sort of rehabilitative treatment for insurance to pay or if they don't have insurance tough fucking luck because you better have a lot of money Mm -hmm. so if you can't pay for the treatment then you have to wait until somebody is in the juvenile delinquent system because the government and the state can help pay for those rehabilitative services is that always where they end up Nope. So again, it comes down to that really shitty money. Mm -hmm. Can you pay for it? If you can, great. You're going to go to rehabilitation. If you can't, sucks to suck. Have Mm -hmm. fun in the system. Yeah. It's a very, very, very cruel and faulty system that we're trying to work through. But yep, needs a lot of change. Needs a lot. I think that's all of the questions. So last week, one of our questions was, what is your Enneagram number? Did you do it? I did. I took a test. Um, 
So what, let's talk about what Enneagram is first. So um, it comes from the, I'm, I'm pro, am I saying that right? Enneagram? I think it's Enneagram. That's how I've been okay. saying it. So the Enneagram personality theory, which just describes what your personality is in terms of nine types, um, each driven by their own set core of emotions, fears, and beliefs. So it's just a personality system that aims to reveal how emotions drive our lives and how we engage with other people in an effort to get what we want and what we need. <clears throat> so I took, and I, I'm curious, did you take the same test that I did from true? Yes. Okay. Okay. Good. Um, I did not pay for the full results. No, I didn't. Either. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> basically it was six pages of questions and it asked us questions about, you know, do you feel different than other people? Do people, do you, are, how in touch are you with your emotions? Like all these kinds of questions. Um, what number did you get? Do you want to count to three and say it together? Yeah. Okay. One, one two, two, three, three four. Seven. <laughs> That's what Lindsay is. Really? I'm a four. I'm a seven. So tell me about fours. What, what are fours? The individualist. Okay. Um, so everything that I could read and I did a little bit extra research. Um, the individualist is somebody who's typically very unique. They like to live life authentically and in tune with their emotional experience. So according to the Enneagram Institute, um, fours are generally very sensitive, introspective, um, very expressive, a little bit dramatic, no. dramatic, <laughs> kind of temperamental. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It did say self-absorbed, which I didn't really like, but it's probably not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so I, I really did like that. That this is the individuals is kind of like the romantics of the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. Like you just, you feel like people don't understand you. And so you're constantly searching for that connection with people or somebody who understands that emotional experience. Um, and what I really like is as I was reading it, it fits with my, my theoretical practice for therapy. Mm -hmm. So I practice from an existential lens and this is very much like finding purpose and meaning in your life. Um, and so an individualist, when they look inward, they see a kaleidoscope of emotions. Isn't that beautiful? That is so beautiful. The way oh, my God. Hi, next tattoo. A kaleidoscope. <gasps> <laughs> that was terrible. Get it, get it like where your third eye is supposed to be. Fucking so sorry, everybody. Um, so, yeah, like our basic fear is that there's that we have no identity or personal significant significance. The basic desires to find themselves and their significance. So to create an identity, to find meaning. Nice. So that's me. It also aligns with my Myers-Briggs type indicator. So I'm an INFJ mm -hmm. and the individualist aligns with the INFJ. With mm -hmm. Nice. Okay. Tell me about seven. So I'm a seven. So <clears throat> let me find it. So the seven is the enthusiast. That sounds like you. Um, in this picture I'm looking at though, Five and one are ne right next to it. So I think that those are my next two. Well, okay. So the arrows, I looked up the arrows. That's what happens when you're stressed. You become more like that. And when you're like growing, you become more like that. Oh, okay. So when I'm growing, I'm the investigator. And when I'm stressed, I'm a reformer. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not working. <laughs> yep. So some of my drivers and motivators are to be satisfied and content, to search for fun and fulfillment and to stop being trapped or in pain. Oh no. So some of my response patterns would be excitement and energy, 
positive focus on big pictures and becoming, oh, I can become distracted as a response. <laughs> Who knew? Will you go away? Um, oh. <laughs> Bong. Oh my God. Um, my leadership styles, um, driving innovation and new... Excuse, ho, ho, ho. excuse you. Driving innovation and new ventures, creating excitement in people, and long-term ex execution can be a challenge. So sevens are extroverted, they're optimistic, they're versatile, and they're spontaneous. Playful, high-spirited, and practical. They can also misapply their many talents, <laughs> becoming overextended, yep. scattered, yep. and undisciplined. <laughs> Emily. <laughs> Isn't that fucking crazy? That is funny. They constantly seek new and exciting experiences, but can become distracted and exhausted by staying on the go. Mm -hmm, they mm -hmm. typically have problems with impatience <laughs> and impulsiveness. At their best, they can focus their talents on worthwhile goals, becoming appreciative, joyous, and satisfied. Mm. So, do you know what I found kind of interesting about fours? What? Um, but just because of my mental health journey and everything that I've struggled with, a big issue with fours is that we have very, very, very problematic self-image. So one of the highest um, correlated mental health disorders that I found, eating disorders. Because <gasps> mm -hmm. we have terrible self-image. We're It's almost like that imposter syndrome that we're afraid of how the world is viewing us. Wow. Like we feel like we're nothing and we feel like nobody understands us. Mm -hmm. And we're eating gonna disorders have, was such gonna a We're going to have high. to talk to Lindsay some more. and Because yeah. she seems to like be a lot more in touch with this than mm -hmm. <laughs> me. <laughs> well, yeah. And like she has like a fucking book and everything. And like I know that there's even a playlist on Spotify where you can go to your number and like whatever song is there is supposed to like fucking just speak to your soul. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm doing that tonight. Um, My little picture Mm -hmm. It's like the free spirit and it's got a little dream catcher. I was like, that's like, I saw that and I was like, man, that is me. That is cute. Yeah. Please don't waste time with chit chat. Reject me. Require a lot of time from me. Nope. <laughs> I read that. I was like, <laughs> nice. I will seem withdrawn, but I'm trying to understand the world. Uh -huh. I am introspective, creative, and intellectual. I fear not having an impact. I love alone time, artistic expression, and being appreciated. That's you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I have another picture here that says, at my best, I'm fun-loving, spontaneous, imaginative, productive, enthusiastic, quick, confident, charming, and curious. And then at my worst. Ooh. At my worst, I'm self-focused, <laughs> impulsive, an escapist, rebellious, distracted, superficial, manic. <laughs> Which is fucking me. <laughs> Self-destructive and restless. Oh, my God. So thanks for that. Yep. Yep. All right. And what are we actually talking about today? Misdiagnoses. That's from me. I sent you my picture to put on the gram. Okay. Hey. <laughs> you got it, master. It's on the gram. I don't even like you. <laughs> Podcast over. So we're talking about misdiagnosing today because we kind of talked about it. Um, yes. Not yesterday. In the last podcast. Um, uh-huh. When we were talking about bipolar one and two and how oh, yeah. easy it is to misdiagnose them. Um, and then we kind of got to talking about how dangerous misdiagnosing can really be. Jesus Christ. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Uh-huh. Do you have a lot of stuff? I didn't really. What so, website did you use? I used like a blog, honestly. Okay. I was Because your notes are looking 
surprisingly a lot like mine. Oh, no, no, no. So I have what it what it is, some of the most common misdiagnosed things, um, the effects that um, misdiagnosing can have on people and how it happens and how to prevent it is what I've got. I kind of have that too, but it looks a little bit different. Okay. Um, okay. So why don't you start with saying like, what is misdiagnosis? So mis- what does that mean? Misdiagnosing can happen with any condition. Um, honestly, it can happen in a variety of ways. It could be, I'm trying to say this without like blaming someone who's seeking help, but it could be heavily on, and I'll get into that too. It could be how they present themselves to their clinician, but it, and most of the time it's based off of the clinician. Mm-hmm. Um, it also could be the diagnosis itself. It could be something that has a lot of coexisting or similar symptoms with other um, disorders. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So, and I mean, in a nutshell, misdiagnosing is pretty much just receiving an inaccurate diagnosis. Yeah. Yep. That's in a nutshell. Um, The hard part about misdiagnosis is it really makes dealing with the root cause or the root issue, I should say, it makes it really fucking hard. And sometimes it can actually make it worse. So if you receive a diagnosis that doesn't correlate with what's actually going on, you can actually end up making your symptoms even worse Mm -hmm. and deteriorating even farther. And that's what makes receiving of a wrong di- diagnosis so detrimental. Um, however, it's fairly common, unfortunately. Yeah, it's super fucking common. Mm-hmm. So I have the top three most, or is it three? Yeah, I have the exact same three. So you go. You read Okay, them. so the top three most misdiagnosed um, disorders would include ADHD. So the symptoms of ADHD can be seen in a lot of other conditions. Um, kids. Kids is the big thing here. And we've talked about that before, too, how... Um, children who have ADHD, it's really hard to diagnose them because do they have ADHD or are they just being a kid? You know what yeah. I'm saying? I'm going to be a dick about that for a second. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure people are going to be like, geez, Chelsea. But I'm going to be a dick for a second mm-hmm. because I, I think our system has gotten lazy. Yes. And we've gotten really into get them in, get them out. So exactly. there's not a lot of focus on like actually walking through what the symptomology is, actually walking through when you're having those symptoms, how yeah. often it just is give me as much as you can give me right now because I have to give you a diagnosis. That way I can bill your insurance and get you out the door. And we're also really good at throwing medication at people. Yeah. Really good at saying, take this med, it'll fix that. Oh, you're having a side effect? Take this med with it to counteract that Without side effect. Without even thinking that the meds don't, they aren't buddies. Yeah. And it's just, it it opens, having a bat, a wrong diagnosis opens a whole new can of worms that opens another can of worms that opens another can of worms. And then you're so deep in a hole that it's really hard to get out. Yep. I'll come down off my pedestal now, but (laughs) no, it's okay. That was my dick moment (laughs) with ADHD. So kids usually receive a diagnosis of ADHD after reporting disrupted sleep, um, and inability to sit still and making careless mistakes in school. And these criteria can be indications of other concerns as well. So, for example, a child... sitting fucking still for eight hours a day? Yeah, exactly. What, um, kids should be able to do that. What are you talking about? Jesus. So, for example, a child might, might be diagnosed with ADHD when the real root of the challenges that they're having is could be like a sensory processing disorder. Yes. Um, then, which creates, which creates um, heightened sensitivity to sight sound, touch, and other sensory inputs. So that's one of the big um, misdiagnoses. What's another misdiagnosis that's Um, common? A common. Yeah. Depression. Yep. I think was the second one that I had. Um, And that's, where did I write that down? Right there. Depression. Depression is really easy to misdiagnose. 
Um, I don't know. What do you write down there? Because I'm having a lot of thoughts and I can't fix them right now. I have depression is severely overdiagnosed. Yes. Um, meaning that more people receive a diagnosis than genuinely having the disorder. So there was a study done from John Hop Johns Hopkins that suggests more than 60% of people who receive a diagnosis of major depression don't actually have it. Let me give you a personal story. That gave me fucking goosebumps. 60, over half of the people who receive a depression diagnosis don't even fucking have depression. Yep. What the fuck? So let's talk about this for a second. Okay. I am all for medical practitioners, not mental health practitioners, but medical practitioners having the ability to help prescribe mental health medications. Yes. I'm all for that. However, I walked in and I said, I'm feeling really sad. I'm feeling really lonely. They asked. Mommy. Oh, yes. Hold on. <laughs> God, she's so cute. M mommy. God. I'm hot. <laughs> she's so. But I'm cold when I sit in front of the fan. So anyways, yes. If you have a weird break in between mommy and then we come back, that's, we had to, yes. we had to stop recording. <laughs> that's what happened. I'm single mom in it this weekend. So, um. But no, I'm I'm all for medical practitioners being able to do that. But when I went in and I was struggling with my mental health really bad, mm -hmm. they gave me a screener of nine questions. Nine. They very directed towards like the criteria of major depressive disorder. Mm -hmm. I answered nine questions and they immediately were like, yep, looks like you have depression. And they gave me meds. My, that visit so lasted dangerous. less than 15 minutes. I talked to the provider for less than 15 minutes. <laughs> and I will tell you. When I do assessments, they take an hour and a half. And even then, sometimes I'm like, I can't assign a good diagnosis. I need more information. So to give someone a diagnosis, because it's like, well, let's get get you meds in and out. Well, that's that in itself is dangerous. But if let's talk about the meds for a second, because I know that mental health medication is so fucking hot and cold. It either helps you or it really fucks you up. Yep. So if they just say, yep, you have depression, here's some Prozac. <laughs> And you're like, okay, and then you take it, and it just makes your fucking symptoms much worse. And you go and you say, hey, this isn't working. They're like, okay, we'll try this Wellbutrin then. Or up the dose or whatever. Exactly. And it's like, it's not helping you. And it's, that's another thing. You have to look more into what the symptoms are other than nine fucking questions to see which medication is actually going to be beneficial right. to them. Right. I could talk forever on that. Well, and that's that's just part of where I say, like, the misdiagnosis is coming. Um <laughs> yes. And go while I open this popsicle. <laughs> What's the next one? So the next um, <laughs> special appearance by Avery. Avery, say hi. Uh -uh. She's like, no, I okay. don't think so. Okay, bye. <laughs> Enjoy your popsicle. <laughs> bye. Bye. <laughs> um, so the next disorder that's very commonly misdiagnosed um, is bipolar, which we talked about last week. Yeah. Um, so I have on here bipolar disorder, sometimes called manic depressive. We've learned that is less common than anxiety and depression, but can significantly be more disruptive when misdiagnosed. So I have on here that only 2.8% of people get diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Right. Um, unmanageable and dramatic changes in person's energy and mood and activity levels characterized with this disorder, which impairs their ability to um, function in everyday life. So we've learned that with the ups and the downs. And yeah. but we also learned last week that it's very commonly misdiagnosed as mm -hmm. major depressive. Yep. So, well, and something that's interesting about that too, um, there's, so like one of the similar disorders that 
could actually be the proper diagnosis when you're diagnosed with bipolar disorder is borderline personality disorder. Mm -hmm. The criteria is just so close together that if you don't ask enough questions and if you don't ask the right questions, it's really easy to get the wrong diagnosis. Yeah. So, um, did you, so you do, let's do effects. What are some of the effects of receiving so an improper diagnosis? I'm looking at my notes right now and I'm supposed to have three, but I'm missing number two. I have one confusion. Yes. Three, worsening the condition. You were confused. I don't know where number two went. I was looking. I was like, well, maybe one of the pictures messed it up. Maybe you just wrote confusion and then you're like, I'm confused. <laughs> Stopped. Maybe. So the effects can be. Um, I have four if that okay, helps Okay. That's really nice. So confusion for the patient, obviously. Right. Very, very confused. And maybe they, in three years, they go see a different clinician. That's going to be fucking confusing for them too. And they're going to be looking at the past assessment and be like, okay, wait, what the fuck is happening right here? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the hard part about, it can be confusing for everybody. Involved. Yeah. Yep. And the, there could be that incongruence of the symptoms that you're experiencing versus the symptoms you're reporting. Yes. Um, and so that, that causes a lot of confusion too, but it's really hard as a client. And I can say this from someone who's received a diagnosis in a very inappropriate way. It's very difficult as the client to want to question the professional's decision. So when a professional is looking and they say, yep, you have this, it's really hard as a client to be there and be like, well, you obviously know more than I do. So then there's that confusion because you're like, that doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. Like that doesn't describe what I'm trying to tell you is happening to me. So then there's that confusion because you're like, well, maybe I do have that. And then you feel like there's still that incongruence. Um, so my number two was guilt and shame over treatment not working. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to think if it sounds familiar, <laughs> if I put it as my number two, <laughs> well, I, I don't know. <laughs> guilt and shame yes, is another absolutely. effect. Mm -hmm. Can you feel like I should be making progress? I should be getting better. I'm taking these meds like I'm supposed to. I'm doing all these things like I'm supposed to. But if you're taking meds for the wrong diagnosis, they're not going to help you. Mm -hmm. So then there's that guilt and shame of like, I'm never going to make progress. I'm never going to get any better. I'm doing exactly what you told me to do and nothing's working. Mm -hmm. So there's that guilt and shame that carries with that. Um, incorrect medication. Maybe that one was number two. Incorrect meds. Yeah, I think so. Okay. What was your number three? Because it looks like my number four. <laughs> <laughs> Worsening the condition. Yes. Yep. And the, the one thing I think about with this a lot is one of the side effects for antidepressants um, is increase in suicidal thoughts, especially in young people, mm -hmm. especially in young people. So again, improper diagnosis, you give someone a med that's not correct. And then they start have, they start having increased suicidal thoughts. You're kind of playing with fire there. Um, but there's, there's a lot of reasons why misdiagnosis happens. What do you got? Um, I have lack of competency on the clinician side, mm -hmm. obviously, number one. Um, and the, when we very first started, I mentioned that I don't want to make it seem like I'm saying it's the patient's fault, but there are some factors that contribute that the patient has control over, yeah. such as skewed patient history. Mm -hmm. So while, um, so, okay, if we look at it from like a medical standpoint and you're looking at a medical test, not mental health, let's say we're doing like a blood test or something. Usually medical professionals base their diagnoses strictly off of those tests because yeah. obviously those tests will tell you what the answers are. But with mental health, can, clinicians rely mostly on reported symptoms yeah. and patient history. And if the patient isn't being open and honest in reporting mm -hmm. 
Someone just farted. <laughs> a dog went. <laughs> um, it's going to stink here in a little bit. <laughs> I can tell you that. Um, so if the patient isn't being completely open and honest, they're not um, sharing complete versions of their patient history yes. or anything like that. Maybe some of their symptoms, maybe they're ashamed of some of their symptoms like suicidal ideation. Yep. Um, and they don't want to admit that they've had that. Well, and even, even then, I mean, how many clients have you seen that say things like, well, I'm not going to tell you if I'm suicidal because you're going to send me to the hospital. Exactly. There's that misconception that the second you say I'm having suicidal thoughts, you're going to be hospitalized. And so you might not report those because you don't want to go to the hospital. Yeah. So, and that's, I think that's right underneath, um, lack of competency is right up there on the list is mm -hmm. skewed patient history. Let me tell you guys a secret. Don't fucking lie to your therapist. Okay. <laughs> you're going there for fucking help. Be honest. Also drink plenty of water. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Don't fucking lie to your therapist and stay hydrated. <laughs> Those are the best pieces of advice we can give you. Um, another couple of things I have is masked symptoms. So that kind of goes back with the not being completely honest with your symptomology. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, a stuff. good clinician will, a good clinician does and this is weird because it was it contradicts but it says a good condition clinician won't look at symptoms and diagnosis they have to consider all the factors yeah so there's that and then i also have um the multiple and um, coexisting diagnoses as well and how yeah. they interact with each other one might be stronger than the other and kind mm -hmm. of cover that up and yeah well co-occurring diagnoses are hard and that yes. that comes into play a lot when you look at like substance use disorders mm -hmm. and it's kind of like the chicken or the egg, which came first? Are you drinking because you're depressed? Are you depressed because you're drinking? Yeah. You know, when you have those co-occurring diagnoses, it's kind of hard to determine what is that root diagnosis that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. um, or the primary diagnosis, I guess, is is the correct language. But when, when you have all these things going on and you're reporting a bunch of symptoms that match a bunch of mental health disorders, the clinician can't just look at a diagnosis and give you a diagnosis. There mm -hmm. needs to be that collaboration of care, which we really struggle with in our system. Um, but it would be really helpful if the therapist would call a doctor and say, Hey, um, obviously with a release of information to follow HIPAA, but you know, work with anybody who's involved in that patient's life to get the full picture, mm -hmm. get that collateral information so you can make a proper diagnosis. And that's part of our burden as a therapist is we need to be doing that. Do all therapists do that? No, because it's super fucking time consuming. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you have anything else for um, how it could happen? No. Okay. Um, I have how to prevent on here, and it's just going back to being open and honest with your therapist. I told you, don't fucking lie to your therapist. <laughs> Create a record, a paper trail. Uh huh. Um, seeing specialists, or if you like, if you're the patient, seeing specialists, or if you're the clinician, con consult with other professionals. Yeah. Like if you're not sure about something, fucking ask. There is no, you can fuck someone's life up. Well, yeah, there's no shame in being like, Hey, I don't know right now, but let me get some answers for you. There's no shame in doing that. Yeah. There's no shame there. Shit. I was going to say something really fucking cool. And now I forgot you're getting a tattoo today. Don't tell everyone. It's a surprise. Oh shit. <laughs> no one fucking tell you anything. <laughs> be a fucking surprise for i don't everyone <laughs> jesus there's no privacy in this podcast fuck, fuck me i guess <laughs> i don't know i don't remember i was gonna say something really fucking important yikes hey well <laughs> there's that 
Let's let's do some quotes. I picked quotes. Chelsea did the quote. Dude, I was fucking on it today. Wait, can we say what um Chelsea texted you this morning? Mm-hmm. N- about her dream. I just think it's oh. funny. <laughs> so our coworker and I were talking back and forth, and she told me that she had a dream that her and I got drunk and I prescribed her some meds. <laughs> But she's like, you definitely can't do it. And I was like, you're definitely right. I can drink. Probably shouldn't prescribe you meds. You know, (laughs) sleep is a funny thing. The other night, so I've been sleep talking a lot lately, which is like, which is, I want to say it's abnormal and out of the ordinary for me, but I've been doing it so often that it's kind of not. But the other night, I was sleep talking and I said... (laughs) to think about what I said I was like I can't have fucking ice cream I'm a cat (laughs) and then I go I shit and you know I shit in a litter box right (laughs) and Chris is like what the fuck is happening so please have him record that shit yeah I have I don't I don't know I don't know how it started happening but I've been doing it a lot shitting in litter boxes yeah Yeah. Very classy. Okay. Anyways. Let's what's move a, on to these beautiful quotes. What, I have two. What's the quote? Uh, okay. Um, I just really like this one. It's by Aaron Van Buren. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is a dude or a female. Okay. not sure. Um, phenomenal poet, though. I'm finding their stuff everywhere. I will not be another flower picked for my beauty and left to die. I will be wild, difficult to find, and impossible to forget. Love. Um, and then the other one is from good old Brene. Ah! Yes! Yes. She's my mom. I love her. (laughs) She's my mom. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So Brene says, the willingness to show up changes us. It makes us a little braver each time. (gasps) I love her. And I I loved that so much because we're talking about how, we're talking about misdiagnosis and it's really hard to go back to someone and be like, I don't think you got this right. But the fact that you get up every day and you show up and you face those demons and you fight against your own mental health, like that's a fucking battle. Mm-hmm. But I just, I loved it because it does. It makes you a little braver every day when you wake up and you face those demons and you're like, not today, Satan. Yeah. Brene Brown tweeted me one time. Shut up. She did. I don't tweet, so I don't know what that means. She tweeted me. Like shared your share or like wrote so, to you or so like I made a tweet, tweet, tweet. Did I she like a, make bird calls a, to you? <laughs> I made a tweet last, not this last Christmas, but the one before saying that, oh, Chris and I are children and op- we do it every year. Oh Opened all of our God. gifts already. And he got me like three Brene Brown books and oh. I, and I cried on the spot and I tweeted that and then she liked it. And then she tweeted back a heart and then a couple fists and then another heart. <laughs> so Brene Brown knows I exist. <laughs> I it's probably her assistant sitting there just copying and pasting <laughs> the same fucking response. She would never. All right, guys. This has been a fun episode. It has been. I liked this one a lot. This one was fun. Okay. Well, if you have any questions or want to share anything with us, our Instagram is at mental health sucks. Our Facebook is at mental health sucks. And our email is at mental health oh, mental health sucks <laughs> at gmail.com. Yes. Sucks is S-U-C-C-S. Yes. Um, ask us all the questions. Yeah, send them all our way. Because we re- that's probably my favorite part. That we the do. questions. Yeah. Mine too. I love doing questions. So ask us questions. Yes. Okay. Make sure you water yourself and your friends. Bye. Bye.